16, 5-15 says, But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. and He will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. And for this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. One of the uh, interesting things that I find about this passage where, where Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples, like, hey, I'm leaving and I'm going to send another, is uh, that it comes right after the section of scripture that talks about you have to abide in, right? It's the vine and the branches, that a branch can't survive when it's not attached, you know, to to the vine, to the main stem, and then there's this process of like, stay in me, abide in me. If you're going to live, you've got to be connected. Um, and it's so important to stay connected. By the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> right? Like, uh, and it's always interesting. I always challenge people whenever they want to like, some sort of uh, scripture debate. Oh, look, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. It's always a sure you reading context. So if you really find a little chunk of scripture, you're like, oh, I really like what this says. No, is it like, read what it says before that, read what it says after that, so that way you understand the context of what it's, um, what it's saying. And the disciples, you know, even as they were preparing for Jesus' death, there was always this, like, no, Lord, let it not be. Like, let us, let us protect you from this. Let us, like, like almost working, like, Jesus, like, guys, I have a plan, all right? And, you know, I have, I'm going to go through this time. I have to be, you know, tried crucified, buried, I'll raise again, I'll send into heaven, and I'm going to send you a counselor. Like, here's the plan. And they're like, yeah, but we don't want that. We just want you to stay with us because it makes us feel good. Right? And and I, I think for the most part, it's like we can relate to that. You know, if we were there and Jesus was in the flesh and he's telling me like he's going to be tortured, I'm like, nah, I don't like that plan. Like, can we work something out? Like, let's come up with something else. Like, have you thought of everything? Um, you know, we need different scenarios. So, so always kind of working. And I think there's there's times where this really comes in, especially with the sending of the Holy Spirit, is that there's even fear attached to it. You know, like, God, you can't be crucified and suffer, because what, what does that mean? And, and I'm, I'm uncertain, and this uncertainty brings about just this, this insecurity and fear and and okay, great, all right, you're, you know, and to go through that, and then they're like, oh, you were resurrected, and now you're here in the flesh again, and, oh, man, I thought, thought we were done for, but now he's here, and we're walking, and he's, he's cooking fish on the beach with his disciples, and they're, they're like, ah, breathing this fresh of, yeah, all right, we made it through that. 
And then the ascension comes and he's like, hey guys, I'm, I really am leaving. What? Like, we just survived the death, burial, and resurrection, like, and now you're telling us you're leaving again? Ah, in fear. What does that mean for our faith? What does that mean for, for living out um, our life with God? And, um, just this, this kind of tension around it. Um, I'll read this part uh, of the Ascension Acts 1.6. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? Right? They're still confused. He's like, is this the time you're going like, to become the king and unite the nation? Uh, and he replies to them, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when this Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, and they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. So we have the actual ascension, and even in the moment, even though Jesus has been preparing them, coaching them, teaching them, in the moment, they're still confused. And they don't fully understand what's going on. Um, and I, I think there's moments in my faith journey that I can really relate to that. In the moments in my life where it's like, oh, well, I really thought, you know, I had a plan. And I've prayed about my plans often. I've, you know, read scripture to kind of consult, all right, here's, yeah, all right. I go to, you know, wise people that I know have walked in the faith longer than me, and I talk to them and, and get counsel, and, and, and I think, all right, I understand what God is doing here. I understand the plans He has for me. And then they changed. And you're like, oh, I'm confused a little bit. We did all this work. And anybody, am I, I'm the only one who's, no, all right. Some of you guys are like, I don't want to admit it. You're kind of like small, like shaking your head. But all right. I'm going to just assume that some of us have had our plans changed at moments. And uh, we haven't fully understood. And it's not that we've been lazy, right? I mean, often we do the work. We pray. We wrestle with. We go to scripture. We talk to people. We're, we're, we're putting in that effort. And yet, we still find ourselves just in these moments where maybe we don't fully understand what God is doing or where He's moving or what He's trying to teach us or build in us. Um, and this comes to a spot where we have to just trust in God. And this is where I would even lean into saying the mystery of God. Uh, I think sometimes, and you'll, uh, there's a couple things in Christendom that probably bring about, you know, various various denominations, churches, backgrounds. There's different things that can, oh, we think the way this way a little bit, we think this way a little bit. And theology around the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most divisive things in Christendom. Um, and not divisive that we're going to fight, but just, just different opinions. There's a vast array of understanding of what is the job of the Holy Spirit, what is the role of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit actually work, like post Pentecost and and all of that? And and now there are some that would even I would say fight. Unfortunately, within Christendom, we have 
oh, we believe in the same Jesus, but we're going to argue and fight. We're going to other certain people. There was a point uh, when I first went into uh, ministry working with Youth for Christ in 94. Uh, we had a, a group that came together of youth pastors. And we would work together. Hey, what's going on in the community? What's going on in various schools? What are the needs? What are the challenges? Um, but even at that point, there was, within certain denominations, they had to actually sign documents that said we would not affiliate with people from other denominations. And, and if we did, if, if we were caught, like, we could lose our credentialing within our denomination. And most of it, and some of it had to do around the theology, like, oh, the Baptists couldn't hang out with the Pentecostals. Because there was this fear of something, you know. Uh, and, and so there's this, this spread around theology of the Holy Spirit, even as we lean into this a little bit. Uh, but I also think that's the mystery of God, right? If, if God fully wanted us to understand every aspect of the Holy Spirit, and to be, walk out with zero questions, to not have to linger and like, God, I thought I had it figured it out, but you're doing this. Then I'm going to say that he, God had the ability to add clarity. Right? Like, let me, like, we do have scripture and we learn from it, but, but there's a lot of this, this beautiful mystery we're invited into. It's not this, let me explain everything so you clearly understand and don't have to have any faith because I've spelled it all out for you. Right? So, so there's still this, this wondering process. And, and as I've been trying to do research around this and studying even uh, John Charles Wesley's journey, uh, one of the things, too, when you, you look at theology, again, you know, we talked about being in context to read the verse before and after. Uh, in people's lives, as they write theology, they're in a journey of their own life. And John Wesley started as a priest for the Church of England. And if you read some of his early documents around his theology, or around the Holy Spirit, it, it's a little bit more here. And then he becomes an evangelist, right, in the United States and, and traveling. And that kind of changes his perspective. And so if you read some of his sermons, like, well, ah, it's different than what he said earlier. And so they're like, well, we're Methodists and we were founded by the Wesleys. And so go back and just read what they say and that's it and authoritative. It's like, well, at which point? In their journey. Because as they journeyed with God, as they learned with God, their theology about God, their understanding about God, their understanding and leaning in the Holy Spirit, like that grew and changed. And so, so at what point do we even say, oh, we, we have it figured out? Um, my own journey, and I've shared it at times, I did my um, pastoral studies through the Assemblies of God, which is a Pentecostal group, and went to kind of the ordination process and looking at their um, 16 fundamental truths. They have to kind of sign this document and say, I agree to this wholeheartedly, and I did all of my schooling there, all of the whatnot. I'm at this credentialing process, and I'm looking at these things, and I'm like, yeah, I can't sign it. Um, and I kind of walked away from credentialing the Assemblies at that point, ended up uh, getting ordained in an independent Christian church, and then I was spent time with the Wesleyan Church. I was on staff at a Church of God. I had this very eclectic background, and, and now I'm enrolled in a Franciscan, you know, 
class for spiritual direction. And, and so my theology around the Holy Spirit uh, has changed vastly. And it's not just said like, oh, I have figured it out. I have arrived. Let me tell you all what you should think about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I've said this before here too. One of my, just the way I do ministry and encourage people is I always want to encourage people to think about God. Right? I want to invite you into a journey where you go like, all right, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Where do I see the Holy Spirit working in my life? I do not want to tell you what to think about God. Right? Sometimes we do that, like, oh, let's listen to the experts. Let's listen to that. And I'm, I'm not that expert. I just want to invite you into a journey where you go, all right, where is the Holy Spirit active, living, breathing in my life? What did Jesus say about, you know, what does Scripture say? What, how have we seen the Holy Spirit show up throughout history? And within the history of the church and movements that have been consistent with what God is doing. And how do I apply that to my own life? Right? That is your journey. And as we kind of tackle this series for a little bit, I want to invite you not to this, oh, we know. But into this desire, like, let's discover what the Holy Spirit is doing. How do we know? How do we, we go? One of the interesting pieces... Um, and so be more next week. Uh, some of the Wesley's like pursuit of theology around the Holy Spirit really came because they had a certain level of insecurity and doubt. Even as they were making their sea crossings, there was another group of, of Christians on that trip who just seemed to be at peace without fear. And they're on the sea, you know, the storms and the boats weren't quite, you know, like the big vessels that we have now. And, and, and even though they were believers and ministers and, and whatnot, there was, they were just filled with this fear. And they saw these, this other group just at peace. I trust God. I trust the Holy Spirit. He's got a plan. And, and when they decided, and this was a major shift in, in Wesleyan theology uh, around the Holy Spirit, was they have something that I don't have. They have a peace, and they, they longed for it, and they hungered for it. So they pressed in to learning and discovering, and they went on this pursuit journey of, of finding other teachers and groups, and they found out where that group had come from. And so they went back to Germany and kind of visited and stayed in this village where, where this that they just were churning out this group of, of believers who had this, what they end up referring to as a, as a full assurance, this peace that came about. And there was this longing and hunger for it. Right? And that's kind of the, the invitation again. It wasn't that at some point that John and Charles Wesley had it figured out, but that they saw something they wanted and then they were intentional about pursuing it and learning it. And, and they wanted it. That it caused them to search for it. Not just sit and pray about it. But they literally, they're like, how are you have this peace? And they're like, oh, we're in And they're talking about it. And so the, they literally went to this village and spent time with these Christians. And these, in order to gain this full assurance. In order to come to a point of peace in themselves. And it was a drastic point within their theology that changed as they learned more, as they experienced more, as they came to, to a spot of peace. And so, so let's kind of lean into 
because I do think the Holy Spirit's living and active. I don't think we should just be content with where we are. Uh, at the same time, the Holy Spirit is mysterious in a lot of ways. And, and there's certain things we can hold on to, but there's certain things that we just have to discover. And I can't discover it for you. So hopefully you will come along uh, with us. Uh, there are a couple of uh, verses that I do want to kind of lean into this morning, though. Because uh, trying to define really the role or the characteristic of the Holy Spirit, um, there's a couple pieces I, I kind of want to dive into also. The other is, so just back to the controversy around the Holy Spirit, a few years back, and, and maybe more like 10 or, or more, there's a book that came out called The Shack. And I don't know if anybody read it, but that was controversial, right? Because uh, you have God the Father, very male-dominant um, identity, authoritarian, whatnot. Jesus, the Son, who comes to kind of change things up, and then the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the characteristics around the Holy Spirit, um, people would actually argue, are more effeminate uh, or more matriarchal. And so there are some who really see the Holy Spirit having the characteristics of a female more than a male-dominant characteristic. But that's super controversial in the church. And in the book, The Shack, it actually portrayed the, the Holy Spirit as a woman, which sent, oh man, there was uproar about that. It's just so interesting. And so, so again, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's, I just invite you into that controversy. We don't have to have it all figured. Let's lean into it. Even as we talk about how do we respond to that? Wow. They would portray the Holy Spirit as a woman. It's like, did you find yourself like, oh, I can see that? Or did you find yourself like, oh, blasphemy? Right? How are you engaging this mystery of the Holy Spirit? Um, but characteristics, roles of the Holy Spirit. Uh, even this passage that we read for our scripture reading. Um, you know, the, the uh, version we read, it, it portrays as the advocate. The advocate will come. And in other translations, it says the counselor will come. Right? So the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is to be a counselor. And it says it's to bring comfort. Right? So if you're anxious and oh, God is leaving and whatnot, that, that really the, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to actually bring comfort and peace. Even when things are uncertain, to be like, oh, and you've ever been in those moments where, like, man, everything is in chaos, and, but I don't know why, but I have this just peace, this tranquilness that is just, like, is not consistent with the situation, right? I'm going to argue that that's the gift of the Holy Spirit working, and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit being there and being able to feel God. Uh, the other role of an advocate is really uh, is a truth teller that advocate is arguing on your behalf. It's trying to reveal things that ought to be. Uh, it also says that the Holy Spirit will be a prosecutor, right? Convicting the world according to uh, sin and guilt. Uh, which is one of the great things is that if that's the job of the Holy Spirit, then it's not my job. I don't need to run around the world going, oh, sin, sin, oh, sin, right? That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to work within people and, and whatnot. I'm going to keep pointing people to God and trust that God's going to do His job. Um, it also uh, it, it's 
gift bearer. When the advocate comes, he will come and give gifts to you. We're going to look specifically um, in 1 Corinthians where it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the other role, I think, that really uh, identifies a little bit of characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that of the, uh, a cultivator. Uh, it talks specifically about the fruits of the Spirit. If you think about gardening and tending a garden, you're trying to cultivate um, a plant to produce the most crop. And, and if the Holy Spirit's working in our lives as a cultivator, there's this process like, what does it need? But also, what does it need to be protected from? And as you cultivate something, the goal is that it will have the most growth and impact. And as God works in your life, God wants to cultivate you to be the fullest. Right? So it means there are some things that you need to experience in order to grow. And the Holy Spirit's going to try to cultivate that in your life. And there are certain things that are going to be detrimental to your growth. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to try to like, keep you from those things. Um, and so these are kind of the, the, the roles or characteristics kind of that I threw together. This is not an extensive list. This is just me scribbling notes, right? But it's the role of the Holy Spirit is counselor, advocate, prosecutor, gift bearer, and cultivator. All working in our lives. Uh, let's take a peek at 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read this because it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, and then I'm going to read a little section in Galatians. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of these tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. The section goes on to, to say, even though there's different gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving, it then leans into that we are one body. And that the, each of these gifts don't work independently, that if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit around healing or tongues or this, that, that these are not meant to operate independently of each other, but they are meant to operate independent, interdependently um, as we come together and do things. So there's these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, as I'm studying, too, and we'll get into this, uh, you know, the United Methodists kind of coming out, uh, there's this whole holiness movement that came and this part where the Methodists even really leaned into some of this, uh, the, what we would classify as Pentecostalism, of healings and tongues and, and, and divine miracles. And even reading through, because, you know, I'm not a United Methodist ordained uh, pastor, so I'm, 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 what, you know, I'm having to do some research in this process, make sure that from here it's the UMC still says that this is an act of work of the Holy Spirit, that the Pentecostal act is still 
relevant for today. Um, it does say that often, and there's different times, and we'll get into that as well, that the Holy Spirit shows up in more subtler ways. It's not always the big divine miraculous, and I think sometimes we hunger for that. You have people who, who chase that, like, oh, we don't want the subtle work of the Holy Spirit. We want the, the big show, and so they're, they're always running, chasing, searching, going, hungry, like looking for and missing the subtle work of, of beauty and maturity and growth and cultivating peace that goes along with it. Uh, Galatians 5 has another list around the Holy Spirit. It talks about specifically the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, uh, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking about people following, he's like, you will know you are my disciples by the fruit that they produce. Right? What is literally, what, what are you producing in your life? How oh, is this person of God or not of God? Well, what do they produce? And, and this is the list. The fruit of the Spirit. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with, it, with its passions and desire. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, or envying one another. That we have these gifts, we have this fruit, these blessings of the Holy Spirit, that the God says, it's actually in this path, it's for your benefit that I go. Because if I don't go, I can't send the Advocate, I can't send the Holy Spirit uh, because all of these gifts and all of these fruits are needed for you to grow and thrive. And so if we are going to press into the Holy Spirit, if we are going to say, all right, God, your Holy Spirit's the active work in this world, am I willing to receive these gifts? Am I willing to receive this fruit? Am I willing to grow in these and work in these? Um, this uh, song we've been singing as part of our series, uh, Breath of God. Uh, could you put the Breath of God lyrics up, Ted? Um, we introduced this song actually when we were talking about the Valley of Dry Bones. These, these bones were formed, right, but they were lifeless. And that they had to have the breath of God or the spirit of God in them in order to not just be structured, but to come alive. We've been singing this over and over again. And hopefully you guys aren't tired of it yet because I think it's a beautiful song. Uh, but there's these lyrics that stick out to it in that passage too around the Holy Spirit. That the, the, the fruit of the spirit would guide us. And Isaiah talks about being on this journey where whether we step to the left or to the right... We would know we're in the right spot because there would be a little voice that says, this is the way. And that's the gift. That's the Holy Spirit working and guiding through us. Um, and there's this one line there that says that I may love what you would love. And I would love what you would love. And I was thinking about specifically um, food. Right, stick with me. This is how, you know, sometimes my, you're going to be invited into my brain. Uh, when I was younger, like family gatherings, they would have this dish, right? And they're like, this is amazing. Everyone should love it. 
and I would eat it, and I'm like, eh, not so much, right? Like it just, you know, that I mean, kids can be picky eaters, right? There's certain things that you don't necessarily like, um, but but as you grow, as you mature, you're kind of leaning into this process where where it's um, you're kind of you develop a palate for it, right? You you develop this. Uh, this desire for something like, oh, I can taste the new one. Oh, I really like this. And, and to reach this point where, where you, you'd be there. And I think there's times with God, even like, that I may love what you would love. And I don't always love, I don't think I've always loved what God has loved. I'm going to go ahead and say there's some time when I was a little bit more reckless and rebellious and whatnot that I enjoyed some um, destructive behaviors. Uh... And, and God's saying, like, no, come over here. Like, this is really good. You should try some. No, 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 no. I'm all right over here. It's like, are you sure? Like, not only does it taste good, but this is actually nutritional for you, right? And, and there's this discipline or spiritual maturity, this process as we lean in to, I ate two salads last week. I'm just going to throw that out. Uh, right? There's this process as we lean into things, we develop this maturity. We, we, we come to this part where, where as, as the Holy Spirit guides us, we can learn to love what God would love. That we would enjoy that. We would find peace in it. It's a transitional process. Right? There's all sorts of scripture even around the fruits of the Spirit where it says, you know, before that it's talking about sinful nature, like put to death those things in order that you can have this life. So we have to give up certain things. Like, wow, I know God really wants me maybe in this direction. We're going to love this, but oh, I love this more. And we're not quite yet ready to give up those things. And as we lean into this series around the Holy Spirit, and invite you to let the Holy Spirit really work in your lives, to guide you, to transform, to be all of these things, counselor, advocate, prosecutor, gift bearer, cultivator, that we might be willing to go like, all right, God, what am I still holding on to? What am I loving that maybe you don't love so much? And God, is there something that you want me to love that I have been unwilling to lean into just yet? Because we're unwilling to lean into what God loves for us, we aren't reaching this fulfillment just yet. Would you, as we do this series and we look through this through Ascension Thursday, all of Pentecost, all of this, to really say, all right, I am going to be willing to let the Holy Spirit really be my guide. Lean into what the Holy Spirit would have for me, lean into what the Holy Spirit would ask me, perhaps, to walk away from. So as we sing the song again, I pray that you would wrestle a little bit with the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit what he would have from you, and learn specifically that line, that I may love what you would love. <laughs>